Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and we are joined today by somebody who I've been so excited to talk about because this is someone who has a genuine passion for businesses, how they run, how they grow, what revenue opportunities there are, how we can be better leaders to lead our businesses into the future with all the different opportunities that are in front of us. I want to tell you about today's guest. His nom- name, sorry, his name is Thomas Chapel. He is a turnaround strategist. He's also the president of his company, Breakthrough Strategies Group. He has worked with all different types of businesses, including one aspect of his work that I absolutely love is an audit of seven and eight figure businesses. This guy is great at uncovering what's actually going on inside of businesses, what's holding them back, and what can unlock all of their potential. So for all of us as solopreneurs, or maybe you are a beginner entrepreneur, heck, maybe you're still a entrepreneur, Thomas is going to give us fresh insights that we probably wouldn't be able to see with our own eyes. He's been a professor, he's worked inside of academia, inside of big businesses, small businesses. There's so much that we're going to learn today. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Thomas Chapel. All right, Thomas, I am so excited that you're here with us. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Heck yes. Obviously, I gave listeners a little bit of a rundown about all the things that I'm excited to dive into with you here today, but fill in the gaps beyond just a bio. Who the heck is Thomas? How did you get here? Sure, 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 sure. So um, I would actually say that it started out whenever I was a childhood actor. Uh, you know, we, we uh, had a regional act that we took around throughout most of the West, and that kind of led me really in the interest of business. And I, I don't know how much you know about uh, acting, but, uh, you know, you're kind of uh, out there doing the big hustle. And even at uh, my brother and I both being 12, and uh, he's four years younger than that, but we were out on stages and, uh, you know, having to play for groups and and do things that really kind of stretched most uh, childhood dreams, right? And that meant even kind of learning to understand the contract. So by the time I was 17, I started learning about more about the contracts and what was going on. And before I kind of exited that world to go into the military, uh, I kind of had a, I was a little bit savvy on contracts and, you know, learning about all the fine print that takes away your rights, to, to, to who, to who you are. Right. So that was a very interesting, uh, piece. Um, and I have to say that, uh, I got to travel while I was in the military around the world to visit, not just, uh, not, not just countries, but a lot of different businesses. And funny about the conversation about businesses is that whether you're a solopreneur business or big company, you all have some very common threads. You need a pipeline, right? You need uh, revenue coming in. And in some cases, you need either access to freelance or gig workers or employees. And you need to understand about your EBITDA burn, your revenue churn, and your revenue concentration. So uh, those items, whether you're small or large, those are the things that you really kind of need. And believe it or not, I found that 
this is even uh, needed within government. Uh, they actually have to provide the same level. So it makes it very interesting that no matter what line of business you're in, you need to kind of concentrate around that. Yeah, I love that overview for so many reasons, Thomas. And obviously, we're going to dive deeper into each of those topics. But I also want to call it out. We had Pearl on here on the 5th of July. So this is the 4th of July week. So Thomas, thank you for your service as well. I love the fact that we have a veteran theme on the show this week. So obviously, it means a lot to all of us. But I want to dive into it because it's funny. As you say those things and you give the overview of the different types of common traps, growth traps that companies fall into, whether big or small, what I hear is I really hone in on those first two, pipeline and revenue. For me, I'm just like, okay, so many newer entrepreneurs, especially when you're saying the word pipeline, Thomas, they're probably thinking to themselves, what is a pipeline? I don't have a pipeline. That's the thing that I remember about starting out my first businesses. I never knew where my next dollar was going to come from. Obviously, that's not sustainable. Talk to us about what is a pipeline? When you say that word, it's a word that we've all heard before. What exactly is a pipeline? What do companies do right with it? And what are some of those things that you see them doing wrong with it? Yeah, so I think in the beginning, uh, a lot of companies tend to kind of think of their pipeline as uh, think of it as a pond, right? Uh, and in particular to your pond, this is this is the type of uh, fish that you're going to attract in that pond, right? So every fish likes different types of bait. Some like very, you know, common baits, some like artificial baits. But your job as the fisherman is to discover if you want a particular type of fish and it's available in that lake, then you need to be able to kind of be able to use the lures that kind of bring it in to where you can capture them, right? Pipeline is very similar in that, in that you want to invite the right leads into your ecosystem so that you can expose them to how that you can serve them better, right? And uh, in that process, a lot of folks tend to kind of like be overly generalized. They tend to like the world is my oyster uh, syndrome versus really kind of narrowing down on that on that niche and really figuring out. And I think it's beyond the avatar conversation. Uh, I like to look at, you know, psychometrics. Uh, I like to look at different things that kind of help drive that conversation, like uh, the, like my paper, it's really designed for high seven figures to eight figure companies. Uh, the reason being is because these are the types of problems that they're, that they're, that they have where maybe a million dollar business or less has similar problems to that. However, they may not, they may not have the revenue sources built up to where that they can, the leadership capabilities that they need to be able to build a solid leadership team and all. So um, that's why that my, that, that that report that I put together is really kind of designed for that specific market. And it's very narrow, meaning that it's only for high seven figures to eight figure businesses, you know? Uh, and in, I would say every solopreneur, don't be afraid to go uh, you know, narrow down. They say that you uh, should find your niche and, 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 you know, get down into it deeply, right? But also realize that there's going to come a time when you've kind of like taken and fished that pond out 
of of those and you've got to expand so uh that's where you know using these uh using these factors that i talked about earlier that's where watching how that your revenue is coming in watching uh where where revenue is is being concentrated at so that you know where that you can redeploy uh some some of your marketing dollars back into your pipeline to attract a broader audience as you grow. Does that make sense? Yeah, not only does it make sense, but for me as someone who's a visual learner, I love analogies and I know that listeners absolutely love analogies as well. So I love the fishing analogy because there you are talking about the bait and just to be clear for listeners, because obviously they're not looking at a computer screen right now, but Thomas's bait that he's talking about that he has done so much research and intentionality into what his bait needs to be. His free bait is the five most common fast growth traps for $10 million and above companies that derail growing American businesses and how to fix them. So even just hearing the title of it, if you have no idea what is inside of that, if that is something that applies to you, you immediately have your interest peaked by that. And so Thomas, I love the fact that you're starting out with the bait because the other day, for example, I was looking at, it's a Facebook ads agency. A listener emailed me a question and I looked at his lead magnet and his lead magnet. So his ideal customer is companies who are doing $10 million plus a year in revenue, running a software company, that's his niche, and they want to get better results with Facebook ads. So his lead magnet is, here are the basics, like here's the Facebook ads 101, here's the exact basics of it. And in my head I was like, who you're probably attracting is people, solopreneurs, is aspiring ad agency owners who want to understand Facebook ads. At that level, that's not what the information that they're looking for. So I thought that that's not the right bait, but then you already hit the nail on the head with a really awesome analogy. I love that you went with fishing is that the bait is one thing. Where you throw that bait is the other thing. A great piece of bait in the wrong pond is not the solution either. So let's talk about the pond now because I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, well, Thomas, sure, I could put together something awesome of value. I understand who it is that I want to work with. Where do I find these people then? Sure. Um, so I have to say that uh, I had the luxury of kind of working in this arena for some time before I started this. And I have to say that that's really good whenever you have that. But let's assume that you don't. Right. Let's assume that you haven't spent a lot of time in, in and around where your market would be for for a moment. Um one of the things that, that I kind of like to do, and and I can't take credit for this. I actually had a, a gentleman that uh, talked to me about this, but he he told me he said, Tom, if you wanted to kind of go outside of where your market was, he's like, go read what they're reading, look at you know, look at that, look at that group and see what are they what are they ingesting day in day out. What blogs are they reading? What forums are they attending? What what magazines are they reading at? What communities are they reverberating and and that they are that they are kind of hanging around in? And interestingly, uh, as I kind of went out in that water looking for it uh, outside of that community, because I wanted to bring in more commercial businesses from uh, federal from federal vendor related businesses to more commercial businesses. I started looking and finding folks that were in some really 
general areas, but you know, some of the communities that you can go to, there's lots of uh, lots of businesses have uh, these quarterly uh, biannual uh, meetups, and I started attending them and just kind of getting to know. I put a list together of companies that and went out and did my research. I built a profile on each and every one of them so that as I met with them, I could have more than just a general com- conversation of what do you do? You know, uh, I think we I think we miss a lot of opportunities because we start too general and we allow it to, to hang around there. Um, I think the other reason that people start having issues, especially in the pipeline area of getting it, is they start off with what do I do? So if you were to ask me what what do I do? I'm not going to sit there and tell you that, oh, I take you through this step and that step and this step. I talk about results that my customers get. So I think that's important. And it's, it, I think it's kind of like comes in and out of vogue, but for now it's back in vogue right now to kind of have that. And I think that that's very meaningful for the solopreneur because if you only had 15 minutes with this, with this person, and then they had to kind of decide where they were going to go with you, how, where that relationship was, what would, what would you want them to know that makes you memorable to them that you do software development or that you make their life a a little less complicated and give them time back. Yeah, I love that overview, especially because you are obviously, it's it's funny how naturally it comes to you, Thomas, and I sh- I'm sure when I say naturally, most of the time when I say naturally, it's things that we've all got reps in. You've put the work in, you've put the years in to have it appear natural to all of us, but for me as someone who did a lot of research about your work and your company before we hopped on here today. It's something that is evident in literally everything that you write from your LinkedIn profile to your business website to within your free guide everywhere. You're talking about the things that you know your ideal clients are interested in. For example, I'm going to read for listeners right here because I, to me, your about section on your LinkedIn page is such clear language about how you help people and who you help. So what I read on your LinkedIn, we seek to work with high seven figure and eight figure business leaders to help them reimagine organization possibilities. We help leaders be more strategic, gain more clarity of purpose, grow professionally and purpose personally, recognize more growth opportunities and have more work-life balance. If I'm a seven figure CEO and I'm reading that, you are kind of Thomas with that one statement, you are scratching at my pains. You're making me be like, oh, I don't have work-life balance. Oh yeah, I I do feel a little bit blinded. I can't even see the growth opportunities right now. I love that intentionality. And I'll tell you what, you're right that a lot of people worry about if I niche down, it means I'm not going to be able to serve these people. But as a solopreneur, that resonates with me. A lot of listeners are going to say, yeah, Thomas, that's like some of those things, recognizing more growth opportunities. Where do I look for that? So I love the intentionality behind it and how I always say success leaves clues. Your success leaves clues in your work, in your verbiage. Talk to us more about those growth opportunities in particular. That's one thing that resonates with me from reading about your work. Where do you even look for it? Because obviously a lot of us, you have the advantage of looking inside so many different businesses. A lot of us can't read the label from inside the jar. Talk to us about those growth opportunities. How to identify them? How to even see them in the first place? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I was blessed um, enough to have a gentleman in my life named Mike Petty. 
and uh, he's a futurist. And uh, he actually kind of got me interested into the world of, of uh, futures and things of this, uh, things of that nature. It's basically the concept of what people think about futures is totally wrong. Um, you've got to look at the glass not as half empty. You've got to look at it that there's multiple futures in everything that you offer, right? So I encourage that when we start looking at, say, a product, uh, uh, some SaaS product, I start by asking, you know, well, how is your customer using it? And then kind of build out from there when the customer is using it to saying, well, if they can envision it this way, how can you envision that product in other areas? And how would they use it there? I mean, you know, the whole proverbial story of that people don't buy a drill, uh, you know, to have a drill, they, they buy a drill so that they can have a hole on the wall, right? To hang a picture. Uh, but, you know, looking at how else that they use drills might be that, hey, they also use it to screw on screws on, a, on decking. You know, they also use it to kind of put together dreams uh, that they have. So I would say for any solopreneur that has a product, don't be afraid to spend some time and ask the what ifs. Um, I usually like to take a product, like I said earlier, the, the drill or or the what's a who's it and kind of ask, put it in the center and then just kind of say, hey, if this was to go into this direction, say, you were in the commercial world and now you want to bring it into the government, what would that look like? And then start peeling back the layers of what, what that would have to go. What do you have to know to be able to get there? And generally going through and asking those kinds of questions. And that's what I do with, with uh, my clients and even the folks that I teach at school, I take them down this path. Uh, I did this once with uh, a, uh, uh, with some students that I had and uh, we call it the um, the three-way act. And it basically looks at a product that they have an idea on. It matches their personal skills, their purpose that they feel like that they're living in. And then at the end, they kind of have this, it's a quantitative test that they walk through, but it kind of gives them areas where that they could market it to. And would they actually want to do that based upon, you know, all of the assumptions that they've made in there? And it, what was the funny part was, was that uh, 80% of the students that went through that, and whenever I say students, these are entrepreneurs, they came to the class to learn how to be better entrepreneurs and to innovate. 80% of those students went through and they found that they had misaligned a lot of their product ideas and, ha and could approach it from a different way that either one, put them on the fast track to getting it done, or two, said, oh, I better set that aside because actually the market isn't there for that. So those kind of activities and tests and exercises that you kind of can go through, those are, those are clear uh, time savers and speed up your rate of putting in the preparation in front versus learning at the end that you didn't have a market for it to begin with. 
Yeah, I love that overview, especially because you've carried these experiments out. It's something that I was an economics major when I was in college, and I loved those real-life experiments of saying, hey, if you guys all think that we should have a perfectly competitive market with no price differences, let's act it out in the classroom. And we quickly saw the real-life ramifications of how we make business decisions when those market conditions are present. So I love the fact that you're able to experiment with that and show that through real-life activities in a classroom. And part of it is, I love how you call out being a futurist, thinking ahead. You use the word plan quite a few times because it's like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. If you don't think about what's going to actually happen, then you're not going to be prepared for when it does happen in the future because things are moving fast. Hey, we are in the advent of AI. Things are changing so quickly right now, which is the next area that I want to ask you about, Thomas, about your work, which is something that stands out to me so much is about how strategic you are. One of my words for this year is intentional. And so I don't want anything to just happen by mistake in my life or in my business this year. So much of that comes down to having that future vision, but then that missing, that bridge right there is that strategy. Okay, if this is where Mm -hmm. I am and this is where I want to go and this is where I think the market and the world are going, how do I actually execute that? What does a strategy look like? To a lot of people, it looks different. Some people, I remember in undergrad, our business professors were saying, put together a 5, 10, 15 year plan. In my head, I was like, 15 years from now, like the whole world is going to be different. So what does a strategy look like to you? When you think about that big term and help business leaders, where do you take it? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I um, I, I kind of start with the most simple of uh, of uh, of places in the beginning. So we start out by working on a on a very simple strategic one pager, right? This is where you think that you want to go, and then we kind of build out from there the KPIs that that level one KPIs that kind of help support that so that you kind of know how to measure it. Um, then you kind of work through this annual uh, that's, that, that you gained from the strategic plan, the annual strategic vision that you had. And then you kind of work backwards from there. Uh, you're saying, okay, well, how do I know that, that this product is ready for market? How do I know that people want it? And you kind of start designing uh, these, and we use these key performance indicators, but it's really nothing more fancy. It's nothing really fancy. It's just fancy words for saying, I got to go do my homework and actually know what to expect from what the market is giving me. Uh, you know, if we tried to sell Atari today, would Atari compete against the games that we have today? Well, there might be a small group that does it. But is that group enough to really kind of put you over the top and make you a continuing business well into the future? Uh, And and where, where maybe some of your instructors and I do agree, I think that you have to be intentional. And where I disagree with the three to five, I actually have a hundred year plan. But what makes that different is it's an intentional statement of this is where I want to plant the flag. And then getting there means that I have to be very flexible on the technologies that I use to get there, because I think you would agree you and I, we're not going to be facing the same technology environment that we have today 100 years from now. Would you not agree to that? 
Yeah, I, I actually like that. And it's funny because when you say 100-year plan, the natural response from us as humans is to think that that locks us in. But I like that you said, no, it's about planting a flag and then being flexible in how you get there. Right, right. And and so I just kind of back all the way back down. So the only place that I really am hard on is that strategic vision for that one-year mark. All right. Because that means I'm taking something, right? Maybe it's a new product or maybe it's I'm taking the business in a completely different, different situation. Maybe I'm expanding from a, from a $1 million mark to a, you know, $10 million mark. I had a, I had a former client that I worked with that they grew literally from $10 million to $50 million and in a period of one quarter. Now, would you think that that would change their annual strategic uh, vision? Absolutely, absolutely that changes because now she had to build that. She had to build in all those systems quickly. And I mean, a quarter is like, that. that's really breathtaking. I, and I congratulated her, but uh, you know, she started telling me about a lot of issues that she was having. Uh, and as you can imagine, that causes a lot of stress. So from that strategic point, we had to reevaluate all the strategic initiatives that she had kind of said. We were able to kind of use those KPIs to kind of help her reframe where she was at. And down to the basic question of what type of leadership did she need? Because you know, as, as well as myself, that when you're doing when you're a solopreneur, you're you're wearing all the hats, you know, uh, but as you grow to a company that's doing multiple millions of dollars, you start having to kind of farm more things in, bring in more teams to kind of help support you because that critical mass hat requires it. Right. Then you end up having to whenever you get into the double digit millions like she did crossing that threshold of $50 million. One of the things that, that she found out was she didn't exactly have the leadership team that could support that level any longer. And she needed to kind of relook at what kind of leadership team that you need. And as a solopreneur, that sounds like a funny thing that, you know, hey, I could run my business at $500,000 or $50 million. But whenever you get to the to all of the things that you have to do at that level, of growth, it really is daunting. And you may, you, you may find yourself in a different position. You know, I helped the company grow to, uh, to a quarter, quarter of a billion dollars, uh, six, six, seven years ago. And they, uh, and they started seeing real cracks and in, in what that they, what they had, and they had to relook at how that they ran that leadership. Uh, whenever whenever uh, John Maxwell says that everything falls on leadership, he's absolutely true. You can have the best strategy and mediocre leaders, and you're not going to accomplish the goal. You got to have you, you got to have really good leaders that are able to be clear. They have a continuous growth process and they're humble enough to kind of accept whenever whenever failure happens and then learn from it. 
Yeah, so much of that that I want to dive into because Thomas, hearing you talk about these real life examples of hyper growth companies, which is what so many entrepreneurs we aspire for, whether that hyper growth happens at the scale of multiple millions or hyper growth to going from zero to your first six figures, whatever your version Mm -hmm. of hyper growth looks like, what you just heard from Thomas is that leadership. He said the leadership word so many times during those examples because every time he comes back to growth, it's leadership that it falls back on. I love that that John C. Maxwell quote. And Thomas, it's funny, time has been flying here. I feel like we're only touching the tip of the iceberg about all the different things that you're exceptional at. But the one thing that I told myself, no matter what, as we come towards the end of the interview today, I need to bring up leadership. I need to hear your perspectives on leadership because you already called all of us entrepreneurs out that at the beginning, we wear all the hats. But as we grow, we not only need to lead ourselves, I think that's an understated Mm. point of entrepreneurship. We need to be our own leader. But as we grow, we need to start leading others. What are your views on leadership? What is the role of an entrepreneurial business leader? And then where are some of those gaps that you see that leaders don't realize, oh my gosh, if I start growing in this way, it's going to have trickle down effects on my life and for sure on my business. Oh, absolutely, man. You, you hit the nail right on the head there. I would say that uh, to all young leaders that are getting started, uh, there are so many different styles of leadership. And I think that we get too hung up on that, uh, number one. Uh, you are, you know, you, you're going to find that some people have some sense of natural leadership along the way, but the, the reality is that most of us have to grow into it. I would encourage you to forgive yourself. All right, number one, you're gonna make mistakes. You're not gonna always be presenting your best self, but forgive yourself, be willing to accept, you know, and apologize for where your failures are to others uh, whenever it comes out, because it will. and. And that's where I kind of come back to that being humble. Uh, You will hear a lot of people that that people throw right now, uh, servant leadership, right? That that's a big deal. And I agree, servant leadership is a great style, but it's not the only style. Uh, And if I may, I'd just like to kind of extend that little piece just a little bit further by saying, I would encourage you to be more of a situational leader because I'm assuming that if you started out as a solopreneur, that as any jobs you would hand off as you kind of grow the company, you've kind of understood how that that work goes. And assuming that somebody's coming into your culture, into your business and taking taking on those activities, that they're going to be at a different level than you. So you need to kind of approach it uh from the style that's needed. So you have the servant leader on one end of the spectrum, which is kind of helping uh, and being very uh, uh, looking to kind of help the employee be the best that they can be. Very admirable. But let me let me ask you this. What happens whenever that person that you hired has come from McDonald's and this may be their very second job and they've never really done what you've what you're training them to do. You you can be all the servant leader that you need to be there, but you need to be more directive as well. So uh, I would say being a situational leader, knowing 
how to present yourself as the leader. Some you need to be more directive to. Some you need to be more hands off to. The SME that you have that's kind of running maybe your network and, and, and all of your technology background maybe doesn't need as much direction from you as, as the person that you're bringing in and they're learning how to do a job for the first time. So be adaptable. That's the biggest thing I learned from the Marine Corps and the Army combined. Yeah, I love that. And especially because Thomas, and again, I'm going to call it out. I, I have the the tendency to call it natural, but it reminds me every time to reiterate that it's not natural. You weren't born like that. You did the reps. And so for everyone listening, thinking, wow, Thomas is talking about leadership and he's also weaving in his own life experiences, his experiences in the military, his experiences in business, his experience of leading students. You gave us some examples of that here today. It's easy easy for someone to think that it's natural, but it comes through those reps. And that's why I love that you called out. It's something that took me way too long to learn. I didn't get it in my twenties. Thankfully I have it in my thirties, which is showing yourself grace, understanding that you are going to mess up. Not once, not twice, not 10 times. We're going to have a lifetime of mess ups. It's about being intentional and reflecting on them and growing through them. And I'm going to also call out, just going to toot your horn a little bit, Thomas, is that one thing that really stood out to us when we first reached out to have you on the show is at your business website, breakthroughstrategiesgroup.com, which we'll talk about at the end of today's session. But there's a section on your website, our leadership traits, and you call out what those values are. Courage, enthusiasm, decisiveness, initiative. I love hearing about those. And it's just, it's evident in so much of your work. So as we come towards the end of this interview, Thomas, I like to give my guests the difficult job for the day because we talked about so many good things. We talked about leadership. We talked about growth opportunities. We talked about the whole fishing analogy of casting the right bait into the right pond to catch the right fish. We talked about all these different topics, but for listeners sitting there who are amped up, excited about what they learned today saying, I want to start implementing some of this stuff. What's something that you'd love to see entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs at all different levels implement in their business, whether it's the leadership aspect, the strategic aspect, the visionary future looking aspect. What's one thing that you think listeners should take away from today's episode? I think the one thing uh, has to deal with self-leadership. You got into business for a reason. Don't lose track of what that reason was. You know, uh, so many business, so many business people that I run into, they forget over time that it's the you part that makes this business. And if your self personal vision for for your life is being run over by the vision that has been set for the business, you're never really going to be that happy. And that's, that's sad because you're just going to make it tougher on the employees because you're disgruntled. You're going to make it tougher on your life because you don't have enough life. You know, you're not taking, you're not self-caring enough and all. So I would say start there. Don't let it, overwhelm too far one way, but keep it in, in balance and make sure that as you're growing your business, that the work doesn't over overrun your life. You know, I, I have all kinds of $5 million business friends out there that are telling me that Tom, you know, I just, I have 14 clients and I just never have any time. I haven't taken a vacation in two years. That's, that's wrong. That's, that's sickness. Did you get in the business so that you could be your own slave 
I don't think so. You got in there for a different vision. Let's step back and look at that vision and say, what did I really get into here for? And make sure that you capture a little of that. That's what I would like to leave for the folks. Yeah, I love that. It's such a fitting place to end. And I think when you combine it with the concept that you introduced us today of the 100 year plan, where you set that stake in the ground and you say, this is my guidepost. You don't forget it. You don't lose sight along the way. Whether you're growing very fast and it's overwhelming, it's always that stake in the ground to remind you of why you're here and why you're doing it. So I love that advice that you're leaving us with, Thomas. I know that listeners are going to be keen. You and I tease your free report so much at the top of today's episode. So at this point, I'd love for you to tell listeners where they can go to learn more about you, your business, Breakthrough Strategies Group. Drop the links on us. Don't be shy. Yeah, actually, uh, you can go out to LinkedIn and and my profile. The link is already set up there for folks to kind of go out there and get to the access to the document. Uh, You can also go through my uh, through my website and uh, send messages through there. But uh, I, I would also say that you know, I run a not, not not as well-known podcast as you, but on YouTube, I have Morning Joe with Tom. And, you know, go out there, explore. If you really want to kind of know uh, from other leaders, not just myself, because I don't think that it's important that, that you know about me as much. I'm on a mission to kind of help drive leadership and get better outcomes for businesses. And by that, you need to expose yourself to all different kinds of leaders. So I would encourage you to one, continue with this show, but two, listen to Morning Joe with Tom and subscribe there and connect with me on LinkedIn because, you know, uh, I do a lot of activity out on LinkedIn. Yes, I love that. And I love Morning Joe with Tom. That is an awesome name. And I love your commitment to always pumping out a ton of content that helps and serve others. As a content creator myself, I know how much work goes into it. So listeners, you know the drill. Check the show notes wherever it is that you're tuning in. I know that you all already love listening to good content because you're here. So why not introduce more awesome content? Like I said, I genuinely feel like this was just the tip of the iceberg in so many areas that Tom is passionate about and in Incredible at. So definitely check out his show, Morning Joe with Tom, but you'll find that link as well as a link to his LinkedIn where the free report is, as well as his business website, BreakthroughStrategiesGroup.com. That's BreakthroughStrategiesGroup.com. You'll find all of those down below. Otherwise, Tom, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Live blessed and be highly favored, my friend. Thank you. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to the 
facebook.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.